As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The more we try to fix it ourselves, when we bring shame and self-condemnation, all those things, the more we actually will derail and we'll find ourselves in a total out of alignment, hmm. that whole orphan mindset where I've got to do this all by myself. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Kappa. And around here, we know that life is hard and we got to do everything we can to just make it a little bit more lovely. So it's my mission to bring you great conversations, practical tools and information, and a healthy dose of community to help make those things happen. If you want to find out more, you can go to our website at cultivatingthelovely.com, visit our amazing membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely, or by connecting with me on Instagram, which is one of my favorite places to interact with all of you. You can find me at Mackenzie Kappa. Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, what better way to kick off our first official guest of season five of Cultivating the Lovely, the podcast, than start it out with the Enneagram. You guys know I'm obsessed with the Enneagram, and I particularly love this lady's website and all of her resources. It's Beth McCord from Your Enneagram Coach. I know this is going to be a hot episode because I have a feeling that a lot of you are just as interested in this topic as I am. And I have to say, just from life experience, of putting the Enneagram to use in my own personal relationships with my family and friends, I have seen such an amazing difference of just being able to extend more grace to people or have more understanding of where they're coming from. It has become very common vernacular between me and my friends as we are talking about things. I tend to let my family know um, your six is showing or <laughs> those kinds of things because it's just become such a part of who we are and our understanding of one another. And so I'm so excited to bring this episode because I get a lot of questions from you guys asking about the Enneagram, how to figure out your type. And really in this episode, because a lot of people have already figured their types out, we take it a step deeper and we go into all kinds of fun things and questions that I had personally for Beth. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. But before we get there in just a second, I did want to mention a couple of things that are kicking off really soon that you're going to want to know about. 
First of all, our cultivating groups are opening back up for signups this week. So you're going to want to get over to Patreon, patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely and get signed up in there in either the lovely tribe level or the loveliest level. And that way you can get fully registered to become a part of one of these amazing groups that truly foster community. You can get in there with other ladies who are also trying to cultivate loveliness in their life and really foster friendships like you wouldn't believe. These women who have done it over this year so far have met up with a lot of their members this summer because they become such close friends. They're able to do that because we use Marco Polo as our platform, which I know can sound scary at first because it's video messaging, but everyone who's done it says they are so glad that I pushed them to go through with the Marco Polo because it really does foster such different levels of friendships than just texting or email or even just voice messages. It gives it context and it's so much fun. So if you want to get in on that, be sure to come and join us. Also, we are continuing the morning show into September, as you probably heard on last week's episode. If you want to be a part of every one of those morning shows, Monday through Friday, then you can join us and pay Patreon as well. All you have to be is a $3 member to get in there and be able to reap the benefits and get your day going with us. It's going to be at 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, except for the first two days in September because there's like Labor Day and back to school and I have some stuff going on. So we're going to meet at nine o'clock on the second and the third. But other than that, I'm going to try to be there as close to 6 a.m. as possible. So those lives will be hosted in our private Facebook group, but also on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're actually going to move them over to Instagram for those of you who are just trying to get a feel of whether or not that's something that you want to be a part of on a daily basis, then you can join us on Instagram at Mackenzie Coppa to get started, get a flavor for what it's like, and enjoy just hanging out with us. Now, ladies who are in the Patreon group at the lovely tribe level and up will actually get a schedule of all the different topics that we are talking about throughout the month each specific day. But just to give you an idea, we're going to be talking about fending off stress dealing with our cycles and actually tracking them and using them to the best of our ability, how to tweak our schedules and routines to make them work better for us. And then we're also going to dabble in some fall style. It's going to be super fun. We're going to talk about makeup and hair and clothes and all those good things. So if you're going to want to be in on those things, then be sure to find me on Patreon and on Instagram at Mackenzie Coppa. All right, but let's get talking about the Enneagram. I know you're all waiting with bated breath. So without further ado, here is Beth McCord. Welcome, Beth. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks. Oh, I am so excited to have you on because you are one of those episodes, like every once in a while, I have one of these where I make a mention on Instagram or I say to my friends who I'm having on and they're like, no way. (laughs) You are like celebrity status. Everyone is so excited to have you on the show. When I reached out to my Patreon, um, tribe of ladies. And I said that you were coming on. It was one of those posts where everybody had questions like, well, this is my specific Enneagram. Like, can she just talk about nines for the whole hour? Or like everybody wants their, you know, like specific to them things. So I'm going to try to address some of those questions, but I'm just excited to talk about the Enneagram. Yeah in its entirety with you today, because if anybody listens to my show, they've heard a lot of mentions about it before. It's typically a question that seems to come up in every episode. Now, what are you at the Enneagram? Yes. um, I, I just, I love it. I've really gotten into it in the past couple of years. And um, as I mentioned to you before we started 
recording, like I've had a pretty crazy couple of years. And so a friend of mine, Crystal Payne, I, we had talked last summer and I was really trying to hone in on what my Enneagram number was because I thought I knew what I was. And she was like, no, I don't think you're that. (laughs) But she said, I want your life to calm down a little. I want you to do a little bit more healing before you try to figure it out. And so I waited about another six months and then I, I did it. I, I looked at it all again and some things came to light and I, I asked some friends and got some people's opinions and like went on your website. And then I think I honed in on what I am. So that's been really exciting and so enlightening. But mm-hmm. um, I, I've been so thankful for your resources and for us to just get a chat about it today. So yeah, would great. you tell us about your Enneagram journey, like how you got as involved in it as you are, what kind of resources you used, how did you end up here? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I'd love to. Um, so I am Beth McCord and I live in Nashville, Tennessee with my husband of 24 years and I have two grown kids, both in college. Um, and it was actually around year 2001 when my daughter was one and my son was three that I was at this stage of life where I'm sure everyone can like put themselves in these shoes because they probably are maybe even in these shoes. Yeah. But with a one and three year old and my husband as a full-time uh, student, as a seminary student and a full-time, um, kind of college ministry worker, um, we were just really stretched thin, not very much money. So there was just a lot of stress and tension with all me working full time with the kids, trying to keep them alive, basically. Um, you know, um, I just really felt like I was going to pull out my hair half the time because what I found was I kept stumbling over myself time and time again, like following the same pitfalls and wanting to really become like more like what we call today is like a wholehearted person and just well-rounded, but I just kept stumbling and I Mm -hmm. couldn't figure out why. I mean, I knew that it was a, a stressful season, but you know, you see where you're making mistakes or you're struggling and you think, oh, well, let's just do this then. And then it should be fine. And it wasn't. Um, And so I just felt really confused and really disheartened. So a friend of ours who was going to counseling at the time for other reasons, she then showed me the Enneagram because her counselor had shown her the Enneagram. Mm. And she gave me um, a book on it and my husband kind of skimmed it, but he was reading a ton of stuff anyway. And, you know, he thought I was like great and all, but you know, he had plenty to do. So I started reading it and I devoured it. And it, for some reason, just really made sense to me. Um, and I found my type right away. So I'm a type nine, the peaceful reader and the type nines know themselves the least. And so what I find is a ton of nines gravitate towards the Enneagram because it finally gives us clarity and language to this fog that's inside us. So a lot of people will wonder like, well, why don't you know yourself very well? It literally is because there's this fog and the fog is us trying to keep things stable and peaceful and serene internally and externally. So we go along to get along. We'll over accommodate. We'll people please. We just want to make sure everyone else is happy. Therefore we can be happy. Mm. And so what happens is we let go of our own passions and desires and even sometimes the desire to want to know them because if I assert my desires or my thoughts or my opinions and you disagree, even that disagreement can feel like tension and discord and the possibility of losing connection. 
Um, and it's, it's very fearful. So we'll go over this, you know, I'm sure later, but every type has core fears, core desires, a core weakness and a core longing. So the type nine is just super fearful of any kind of attention or discord of any kind, especially aimed at them. So we just are happy to go along to get along. Um, but in the process, we lose ourselves. So when I read the Enneagram book at that time, it just was like, wow, yeah, that is me. I could never have explained that. And that was really helpful because my husband wanted to know me more, but yeah. I never could offer much in our conversations because I just didn't know. Well, now I could put language to the things that I felt, but I didn't know how to say it. So that started the journey, but as a good old nine, I never wanted to assert my voice or say much. So I would just like talk about it a little bit here and there with Jeff for a while and then a little bit here and there with others. And then as he finally kind of gravitated towards it more, which was about five years in. So for those that are like more of an assertive personality types would be like five years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Five years. Um, we started sharing it with other couples and saw, so my, at the time my husband was a pastor, we saw great fruit in their marriages because they were able to understand mm -hmm. communication style and conflict style. Um, and so we were just really excited about what we were seeing, but again, he had his own career. I was still a stay at home mom. And so we were busy. So it was just kind of this ebb and flow of using it, not using it. And then again, as a good old nine, when someone <laughs> wanted us to speak on it, I would be like, well, they want to hear more from you. You're the pastor. So I would kind of like push him in the spotlight and present mm -hmm. it while I'm, so to speak, whispering the fears <laughs> or helping to create yeah. the slides or whatever. Um, because I honestly, as a nine, I didn't think people would really want to hear from me. Like, what do I have to say? Or my presence doesn't really matter. That's the big thing for the nine. Um, and I really played that out. So it, I was on my own journey of learning as we were also teaching and training others. So fast forward the same kind of ups and downs um, for many, many years. I mean, I had seasons where I think when we moved to Nashville, I kept it quiet of how much I knew for probably two years from everybody here. Wow. I started using it again with a few. And Nashville is like the hotbed of it. <laughs> yeah. Like. Well, this is, this was before, before it. Hotbed. Yeah. But yes, Nashville, I mean, almost you can't go anywhere without talking about the Enneagram. Yeah. Um, but so when we first got here, I was super quiet um, and it had to just kind of do with my husband's job and all the things there. And so I was just a good old nine, just kind of keeping it quiet, but learning all the while. But then when he didn't have a job for, I think about six months, I was working for Michael Hyatt. And if no one knows who Michael Hyatt is, just go to michaelhyatt.com. He's an amazing guru in all things leadership and productivity, um, but just seeing behind the scenes of how to have a business, how to have a platform. I mean, that's what he, what he teaches. Yeah. So I was learning all of these amazing things as his personal assistant and just absorbing all of their podcasts and et cetera. But when we were at this place where something needed to change, for some reason, God was just not giving Jeff a path into another pastoral job. And it, it's a long story. I'll try to make it short. <laughs> but there was someone in my life at the time that could have um, kind of helped spur the idea of my Enneagram coaching business on. And so one day as I was going through my Instagram feed, I saw that they had posted a picture about other friends saying, oh, you should read this Enneagram book. You'll love it. And they, they never really came to me like for real advice, like a little here and there, but it just ignited in me 
this feeling of being extremely overlooked. And that's one of our core fears as a nine, mm. because we don't assert ourselves, but we want someone to like see something in us and call us out and to help us. So when I saw that, I instantly felt extremely overlooked and I literally got up in the, out of my chair in the living room and I walked straight out of the house. And if anyone knows um, the types very well, nines will try to not feel their anger and then it kind of explodes. Mm. <laughs> and I knew that this volcano was about to erupt. And so I walked pretty much straight out of the house, passing my husband who looked at me, he could feel that energy. And he was like, what's up? And I just said, just look at the Instagram feed. And I got my keys, got in the car. And for about 10 minutes, I screamed as hard as I've ever screamed before. And I knew I had to, like, I knew that that was the, the, not the anger of a nine that I pushed down for years. And I just had to allow it to come out. And then as I turned around, I felt like God was saying, why are you so angry? And I honestly, in my heart was like, are you serious? Like, do I have to spell this out to you? Um, but he was so loving and kind. And he said again, no, really, why are you so angry? And it was the clearest thing I've ever experienced. And I told myself it's because I overlook myself. Hmm. That's really what I was angry about. Even though other people might overlook me, it was because I overlook myself. And yeah. That was this epiphany, like what you permit, you promote. And I was permitting that other people not take me seriously. Mm. And that was my wake up call to you've been given a gift to understand this system in ways that a lot of people can't, because as a nine, one of the giftings of a nine is I can see all perspectives. Mm. And not only was I seeing all the eight perspectives really well, God is, was giving me insight on the type nine for my own journey. And this was kind of that last piece. Now I'm still <laughs> growing, but it was the last piece of, oh, I have to assert myself. I have to get out there. I have to do this. And that is how I started on the journey of your Enneagram coach. And it just was piece by piece. And then with Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile's book, The Road Back to You, mm -hmm. as I was launching mine, that came out about five months later and it just kind of all took off together. So yeah. it was just God's timing and my joy to be participating in it. I love hearing all the backstory about it. And just having experienced the resources that you've put out there, I, I just, I love them. I was telling you before we got this started that, I, did you fairly recently update the test that's on your website? Am yes, I correct in thinking that? Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. Because I thought I had taken it before, but then um, all my friends and I, they didn't even know you were coming on my show this week, but they all took this test, like my closest friends last week. And I took it also, and we were all screenshotting and comparing things and, <laughs> It's funny because one of my friends pointed out to me probably about six months ago, oh my goodness, Mackenzie, every person, like every good friend that you've had in your adult life, they're all twos, like Ooh. across the board, everybody's a two and they're all the sweet, nurturing, kind ones. Yeah. And then I always say I'm the spicy one in the mix and I never really understood like why that was like, why am I so different from you guys? You all seem to be inherently sweet. And then there's me. And it was really a, the Enneagram gave language to that because I realized mm -hmm. I was a three. And so I'm very different than yeah. what they have to offer. And that's just like naturally how that works. But it, it is so interesting to me that everyone 
is a two. My friends joke that like when I ever start dating again someday, they're like, we're just going to have a questionnaire. The first question is going to be, are you a two on the Enneagram? <laughs> because right. Mackenzie needs a two. And if you're not, then just keep walking. <laughs> like, right. That's hilarious. But yeah. I mean, I was going to get into this later because there's so much we, I want to talk about the Enneagram, but just off the top, have you noticed that in working with people that certain types tend to be drawn to other types? Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I mean, um, in general, we do see certain um, combinations of whether it's friendships or marrieds or, you know, whatever, gravitate towards one another. But at the same time, it's not like a for sure across the board, meaning like I'll have some, let's say threes, you know, you know, gravitate towards, let's say three or four numbers naturally. But then some threes are like, oh, I gravitate towards, um, let's say like you two. And then another three gravitates towards eights or sevens. I mean, so it's not a hundred percent across the board, Mm -hmm. but yes, there are, I would say commonalities that we do see. So like for me, uh, so like my husband's a six, my best friend's a six, my mom and my son are sixes. So I get them and I understand them really, really well. Um, and so I kind of gravitate towards the sixes. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, with all my relationships, but I think maybe because I grew up with it, I just understand it and I get it. Um, That's so funny because I think my dad is a nine and my mom Uh is a six. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. And that's a very common uh, coupling, nines and sixes. But it doesn't mean that that means, oh, that's the better way. Because we're coming out with 45 marriage courses, one for each couple type. Wow. That's an undertaking. (laughs) Right. It was, it was. Um, but we did it because so many people asked the question, like, is there a type I shouldn't, you know, gravitate towards or be with? And it's like, no, like if you find someone who is healthy or at least willing to learn and grow and not be defensive or the victim, as long as you have someone that's teachable and growing and trying, you know, to be healthy, then it's great. I mean, really, if, if you were to watch all the 45 courses that I developed and listen to what I'm saying, you'll hear the same thing that every couple type can be absolutely amazing. And this, this is like friendships. This is, you know, you and your parents, you and your children, every couple type can be amazing when each person is operating in their healthier dynamics. Mm-hmm. I just have so many questions. It's like, <laughs> we talk about that and I'm like, where do I even go from here? Because there's so much, so many places to go with it. But okay. I guess I guess where I'm going to start is I know you talk a lot about the idea of being aligned or misaligned with the gospel. And I know the Enneagram isn't always viewed in terms of faith, but Mm -hmm. I think you do a really good job of showing that because you can be, like you were saying, a healthy version of your number or a not healthy version of your number. So would you kind of explain that idea of the alignment or the misalignment with the gospel and what that does with your numbers and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the Enneagram, just to kind of back up for people to realize yeah. it's not a Christian tool. It's not any particular religious tool or lack thereof. It's just a tool yeah. that any faith, spirituality, you name it, can use. So think of it like like a hammer, you know, we can, a hammer is just a hammer. It's a tool and anyone can use it, whether for good or not good. Um, it's the same thing with the Enneagram. Um, people have used it literally for thousands of years. And Mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot of like, well, is it good or is it bad or 
like not so good people used it, but then there were some good people that, and it's like, well, yes, you're absolutely right. Just because a tool was used in an incorrect way by some Mm -hmm. does not make the tool itself wrong or evil. Yeah. So we are focusing on how can we use this tool in the most God honoring Christ honoring way that moves us closer to him um, not focus. It's not a self-focus like, Oh, get to know yourself and like focus just on yourself. No, it's, it's allow yourself to surrender and depend on the Lord mm-hmm. because he will do the work in and through you to become more like him, which will then bless others and glorify him. So just yeah. to kind of the background, cause I know some people kind of wonder yeah. you know, about that. All right, ladies, I want to tell you about a little app that my daughters have been using at the end of the summer that I'm super excited about. It's Homer. It's a proven learn-to-read program powered by your child's passions. Now, this is what really intrigued me about Homer because we have tried a lot of different things in the past, but I love that when my kids were first getting into Homer, they did a little, you know, almost like a personality quiz to see the things they were actually interested in so that the content delivered to them in the app is geared towards things they already enjoy and want to know more about or just think are fun. Things like princesses and dinosaurs. And my four-year-old honestly picked so many things. She's She's got very eclectic taste, but it was completely customized to her, which I thought was super for fun and also beyond that they enjoy doing it they want to get into the app every day i have been very spread thin and this app allows me to feel like my girls are getting personalized instruction that they need and they want especially my four-year-old to be able to become solid readers my seven-year-old she's already well on her way to becoming a good reader but she was able to come in at the appropriate level in homer so it could just help her to continue to develop those skills And my four-year-old, she's kind of starting from scratch. And they're meeting her right where she's at and growing the program with her and helping her to learn things. And she asks for it, which I absolutely love. It's not something that after a day or two, they're sick of. Please, mom, don't make me do that. They actually really enjoy interacting with the app. Oh, and another thing I love is that the membership is really designed for whole families. So you can get up to four different customizable profiles in your one membership that allow you to completely make it for your child's interest and level and they all have their own profile to go to which is really helpful when you're on a budget and you're trying to accommodate more than just one kid on a site. It's designed by experts, it's engaging, it's got hundreds of different stories that your children are going to love and it really is a step-by-step learn to read program which I really appreciate. So if you would like a 30-day free trial to check out Homer for yourself you can visit learnwithhomer.com lovely to get started. Again that's a 30-day free trial by just going to to learnwithhomer.com slash lovely. And can I just interject something really quickly? I think as you were saying that it's not totally, you know, self-focused. I think a lot of um, personality typing systems do tend to be very much about yourself and how you perceive the world and interact with the world. But that is something that I have found the most refreshing about the Enneagram is over other types, I feel like I'm able to see it in terms of relationship. Yeah, more than the other ones. And it's also because there's only nine types, (laughs) like it's easier to have a a grasp of what all the nine types are so that you can Mm -hmm. apply those things to your life. Absolutely. And that's really, the whole goal is, at least from how we teach it, 
so and I'll tell you our mission statement because this will really help people to understand where we're coming from. It's for people to see themselves with astonishing clarity so they can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Aww. So Christ has taken care of everything. He has not only removed all of our transgressions and sins when we trust in him, but he also gave us a hundred percent his righteousness. So when God looks at us, he is not seeing like it, there's no more wrath. All the wrath was put on to Christ. Um, he's not saying, well, you should earn it. No, Christ earned it for us. When we bring a gospel centered perspective, it allows us first, we have to know whose we are, you know, yeah. our identity in Christ. Then we can dive into understanding the clarity of our heart and why we use the Enneagram is for that clarity and which goes into the levels of alignment. Because what God cares about is the um, inward, the, the manifestations of our heart. The Enneagram, like we we're talking about the tool, like a hammer, the Enneagram is like a flashlight. And the flashlight is showing your heart condition. Hmm. Are you aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the gospel? Now, this isn't talking about your relationship status with Christ. You know, when we have received him as our personal Lord and Savior, that's complete and done. Like yeah. he said on the cross, it is finished. But our hearts and our minds can wander, you know, though we're still sure. his beloved child. And so alignment means... I know, believe, and trust in who I am in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect and we're doing everything right, but we have this understanding and this assurance and restful heart to surrender and depend on his finished work on our behalf. And it's that position that allows us to be at a more healthy place because we're teachable, we're learning, we're growing, we're able to ask for forgiveness and have a right posture. But when we get into misalignment, it's where it's, we're kind of in this in-between where I know God is good. He's sovereign. Um, but I also am not sure he's going to take care of this one thing or these two things or three things. So I think I need to kind of get in there and meddle with it because maybe if I have control, it will get done faster or it will get done the way I want. Now, of course, we're not thinking of it in those exact terms in the moment. But that's kind of what's going on with our heart. And when we get in that place, we're starting to get in this misaligned notion of, well, he'll do his part, I'll do mine. And mm -hmm. so we're living in our own strength. And yeah. that's when we kind of get in what we, what we would call is kind of this average autopilot mode where we're falling asleep to who we are and whose we are. We're starting to kind of not live out our true identity in Christ. And then if we allow ourselves to keep going on that path, so wandering off away from the truth, we get into a place where we're completely out of alignment with the gospel, where we actually feel and think we're orphans. You know, even though our status with Christ is still secure, our mind and heart feel like, well, he's not going to do it. So I got to do it. And we start to take complete control of our life, just like an orphan would like, no one's there for me. I'm all on my own, you know, I have to fight for everything. And that creates, uh, you know, so much turmoil and may uh, mayhem internally, but mm -hmm. also in all of our relationships. But the good news of the gospel is that what Christ has done in and through us remains the same. So even when we're struggling, whatever level that is, we are still his, we're still safe and secure. So it's kind of like I'm right now sitting in my office and so many of us day to day, it's kind of like a same you know, I just wish I was in my office. If I was just in my office, then everything would be fine. Mm -hmm. So I've got to somehow get there. How do I get there? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to have these goals and these things. Um, and so everyone else on the outside would be looking at me if I said all those things like, um, 
you're there, you're in your office. Why are you trying to get into a space that you're already at? Like, it doesn't make sense. But so, so many of us, you know, Christians do not understand our true identity in Christ, like whose we really are. And so it's kind of like being in the office, like you're already his beloved child. That doesn't change. It's your heart and your mind's condition. So the the renewing of your mind Mm -hmm. is the important factor. So if we daily remind ourselves, it's so we call it like preaching the gospel to ourselves. If we daily remind ourselves that we are safe and secure in his finished work on our behalf, that not only have our sins been removed past, present, future, but also he is taking good care of us. It's going to change everything that we think about, especially when we read about the Enneagram and we see how we struggle, we can go, okay, that's not great. So yeah. So when we are in kind of a misaligned state, what we're really, what we really need to acknowledge is that we're falling asleep. We're in this kind of autopilot zone. It's kind of like, you know, when you're uh, driving down the highway and you're sleepy or you're texting or you're swatting at the kids in the back and you're starting to veer off the highway, Mm -hmm. you're going to land into a pitfall if you aren't, you know, kind of, if you don't wake up and that's what we do all the time. And why we get so discouraged is because if you were literally, if you were a real driver on the highway and you kept falling into the ditch on the side of the road, you would be concerned because you learned your lesson, right? Well, we feel the same way. Like, why can't I figure this out? Well, the Enneagram, what it's going to do is to help you understand why you have veered off course like that. So think of learning about yourself instead of having that self-condemnation, fear and shame and guilt and blah, 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 that we all do. Yeah. Instead of doing that, use the Enneagram as a rumble strip on the highway. That thing that wakes you up from veering off course, use it as a rumble strip. So when you recognize, oh, my type struggles like this, you know, A statement, B statement, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing that right now. Instead of going, oh, I'm the worst, you know, go, you know what? Christ took care of that and I need to own it because I did something, you know, maybe it was just slightly off or, you know, really big. I need to own it and apologize whether to a person or to God or, you know, everyone. Um, But I also need to receive and accept that I am safe and secure in what he did, his finished work. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean like, oh, you just forget about it and like move on. No, we we want to see that what Christ has accomplished, that he took care of all of our sin. Like he had to go through a lot of torment. So we want to recognize the severity of that, but we also want to praise him for what he accomplished. And by part of the praising him for what he accomplished is actually resting in it and actually depending on it, not just pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. Um, And that is where the challenge comes in because as a human, we think we have to do and what we need to learn is we need to learn to be, and that's being his beloved child and thanking him for all he's done, living it out, trusting it, which is so hard to do. Yeah. The more we do that, the more we are going to move into the best direction for our personality type, which is in the alignment category. The more we try to fix it ourselves, when we bring shame and self-condemnation, all those things, the more we actually will derail and we'll find ourselves in a total out of alignment, Hmm. that whole orphan mindset where I've got to do this all by myself. See, no one is here to help me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so that's why I want to teach the Enneagram is not at all it does not transform anyone. Okay. That's what I 
people to know is it's like the flashlight. The flashlight doesn't, you know, it's not doing, it's just illuminating. And the Enneagram is illuminating as a tool, your heart's condition. Are you aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the gospel? And the cool thing is, is that no matter where we are um, in that, we are still his most beloved child, safe and secure in his finished work. Mm-hmm. And that understanding that and resting in that will literally transform everything about yourself and your relationships that you have. Yeah. Oh, completely. It's just, this whole thing speaks to me so much because I have a conversation with my friends quite often, as I mentioned, they're all twos. And so I'm this spicy three with all of them. And I think I have a tendency to be like, you guys are the sweet type. I'm the bad type. And it's hard for me to see like the, the positive things. Like it was really encouraging to me recently when I went on your Instagram and you had like these little snapshots of what it looks like to be misaligned with the gospel and aligned with the gospel. And I, sometimes it's hard for me to see like the good sides of what my type can be. But then yeah. when you point it, cause I think that the things that are misaligned, like the self-promoting, impatient, angry, short withholding, those I feel like are just kind of like what a three is known for. Mm. But then when I hear you say things on you know your Instagram, like clear, straightforward, confident, encouraging, efficient, solution oriented, it was like, oh, there could there can be positive things to this type. And I don't know if you run into this a lot, people thinking like certain types are are worse than other types. I feel like there are certain types that definitely get a bad rap. And I, I was talking about this with one of my two friends because she knows I tend to be pretty down on myself about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think though, for me, what I think I've noticed is that certain types seem to be more socially acceptable than other oh, yeah. types. Like yeah. everybody and- loves a helper. <laughs> Not everybody likes right. somebody who promotes themselves. Well, but it's, what's interesting is it's different in different cultures or work environments or groups. I mean, it doesn't, it could be anywhere from a very small group of three people, um, all the way to a country, you know, so there are countries that are going to gravitate towards, let's say the nines, you know, and like the laid back, easygoing time, what's time? I'll kind of arrive whenever, you know, let's chill out. Yeah. So, and so some cultures are going to like, um, the nine type, and then there's other cultures that are going to like the type fives. Like they want Mm. to know all the information and all the resources and do the detailed information, um, and maybe more quiet, more, boundaries. But then there's going to be some cultures that like the sevens and the creativity and the spontaneity and the fun. And this could be, again, whether it's countries, societies, a work environment, um, on and on. So yes, if you're in an environment that, um, enjoys certain types and you're not that type, you're going to feel as though maybe your type there's something wrong, but there's not. And that's why I love teaching it from the gospel centered perspective is because, God created all nine basic types. Now there are, it's like going to a paint store and you see all the paint swatches. Like if you had nine colors, you would have a plethora of shades and different flavors and all that stuff. So, but God created these nine basic types. Think of the nine types as being the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. We need each of the different types to represent him, to glorify him, to help the body of Christ on and on. So there's no type that is the best or the worst. 
And I know it can feel like that, or it's touted as that, but it's just not true. Um, because we need all the types in their own positions by surrendering who they are and whose they are, then God will work in and through them because we need like the eights, the eights, um, I know typically get like a really bad rap. Yeah. And I love eights. Okay. I have an eight wing. So I'm an eye with an eight wing. So maybe that's part of it. But eights, um, we call them the snow plows. And if you live in the Midwest or the North, which I grew up there, um, we need these huge diesel snow plows. Like these yeah. aren't the small little Ford trucks with the little thing on the front. Yeah. These <laughs> like massive, major, yep. Right. These massive snow plows, like you better get out of the way when they're coming. Yeah. Um, and so aides do this amazing job plowing paths for us when it's treacherous, when it's harmful, when they could be at risk, when we're at risk and when they're healthy, they're going to see the people that are in front of them or on the side of the road and having get behind them and then they'll plow the path for them, which mm. is phenomenal. But just like all the other types, when we're struggling, we're going to act out in ways that could hurt ourselves and others. And for eights, they could nick cars on the side of the road or plow them over. Yeah. And so what we need to recognize is that the eight, if, if you experience an eight when they're not at their best, that doesn't make all eights yeah. bad. It means that that person isn't at their best place. But when yeah. you see an eight at their healthiest, oh my gosh, it is so phenomenal. Like think of a Martin Luther King. He plowed the path in the civil rights movement. There were lots of people who were there doing the civil mm-hmm. rights, but he was the, the front runner taking on yeah. the opposition. And we need someone like that who is willing to stand in the gap for the rest of us. And yeah. so what we need to recognize is that, yes, what's going to happen when you find your main type, you will naturally look at all the, the negatives and you're going to like, they're going to, gl- they're going to jump out at you basically. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to feel it and sense it. And you're going to probably feel guilt and shame or embarrassment, but that's because you're seeing something of what you knew internally with such alarming clarity, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not just who you are. You are, especially in Christ, we are now set free from all those things. And we are able to then move forward in our healthiest path. And we have Christ's righteousness on us. So we can rest assured like, okay, yeah, I'm struggling. But at the end of the day, the victory has been won. And so what it allows us to do is to see all of our personality where we're at our healthiest and our unhealthiest and be able to accept it for what it is, Mm -hmm. own it, um, ask for forgiveness, but also move towards the healthiest place by surrendering and depending on God saying, I cannot become my healthiest version without you doing it in and through me. And he will, that is, that's what he wants. He wants us to be more like Christ. And so when we recognize we're not, we just got to come to him and walk in faith and trust him to do it in and through us. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. Again, I feel like you, you, there were so many things that you hit on there that I'm like, oh, I, there's this thing and this thing, but okay. So one of the things that that made me think of is, okay, if we're going all the way back to like the societies part of it or the cultural norms, um, like you were saying, it could be a workplace. And I was thinking like with my friends who are the twos, I think I would always try to be like a two because we were all stay at home moms at that time. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of women listening to this podcast who are kind of in those same shoes of like, okay, 
you're, if you're a stay at home mom, you're supposed to love being a stay at home mom and you're supposed to be really quiet and wonderful and patient and calm and sweet with your children. And you're like, I think there's a certain part of us that sort of want to like emulate Michelle Duggar. Like (laughs) that's what a stay at home mom should look like, you know, like you love it. And, you know, and, and my friends who are these twos are like, I always would look at them and think they're just like, naturally gifted in being that like they just they are sweet they're not trying to be sweet they are sweet and I'd be like I am just not that but I'm trying to be that yeah and finding out my type and has really helped me to realize like if I'm trying to be that then I'm denying how God made me And it's not making me a better, stronger, healthier person when I can acknowledge like, oh, God made me a little bit spicier. He, he made me with different aspirations. It's not that I don't love my kids and that I don't love being around them and everything, but I have found so much freedom in being able to break away from those molds that I was trying to make myself into and realize like, it's okay for me to enjoy my job. And like, you know, that God, God made me in that way to be able to do that. And I think there's so much grace and freedom when we can step into our type, even in the midst of like what the norm is of what we expect from a certain, you know, a a stay-at-home mom or whatever, and be able to say, okay, you know, let me look at my life the way that God created me to be what he's gifted me in and that that's okay and that that's still good and you know I think and I think it's you know we've got so many mommy wars like I think this that's probably like the most heated place to be saying it you know I was a stay-at-home homeschooling country living mom (laughs) and now I live in the city I'm a single mom and I love my job and my kids go to school (laughs) like yeah whoa, that's, that's a huge shift. And a lot of people, like we, we hang on to those things and we think that other moms should hang on to those things too. Like I've been there. I've been that yeah. mom who tried well, to navigate that. Well, and here's the thing that I, cause I totally in the same boat, you know, my kids are now in college, but totally the same boat. And that's a lot of the reason why the Enneagram is so helpful for me is because as people and especially as moms or young women, we are comparing ourselves all the time. I don't care what type you are. And, um, the thing is, is that there's a couple things that are going on is one, we will go around, whether it's Instagram, Pinterest, you know, wherever online, and we're absorbing all this information or people our relationships with people. We're absorbing all this information of what this amazing woman looks like. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did that too, like at the seminary playground, I'd go out with my kids and I would see these moms being so amazing. Like some were creative and some were sweet and some were direct and you know, all the, so I would come home and I would tell my husband like, Oh man, you know, I just wish I, could be like them and blah, blah, blah. And so I'd feel terrible when I'd come home. And he's like, Beth, okay, one, you literally have brought in all these aspects from different women. You're creating the superwoman that does not exist. Like this woman doesn't exist. Like you're creating something in your mind that not only you can't obtain, but none of them are this. And he said, and the other thing is you have no idea what's going behind their door, the doors of their home when they're not there. They might be putting on their best uh, behavior in front of everyone, but you have 
absolutely no idea what's going on. And they may be struggling. They may be fearful. They may be, you know, who knows? Yeah. You just don't know. And so what I learned from even our therapist that we were going to at the time, a marriage therapist, because we were in like year five and yeah. we were only 25, we needed help. Um, and she was so good because I would tell her all the same things. And she would say, Beth, when you compare yourself, either you're putting someone up on a pedestal or you're looking down at someone, either way, you're pushing people out of your life. Mm. And there's no room for community and it's just not, it's not feasible or possible to continue to do that and to have a full life. So what I realized is I have to be able just to focus on me, not again, not the self-focused, you know, but the self-focus of God created me uniquely to be me. And I will yeah. be honest, even on this podcast, being a mom was the hardest, best thing I ever did, Yeah, but it was not my natural suit at yeah. all. But I knew what I wanted and I knew what I wanted them to hopefully what we could instill in them. And every day I had to show up to be a mom, but it was literally went against every fiber in my being. I was not one of those, oh, ooey gooey, love this every second of the day. Like it was hard work, but I also knew my calling. know that I've spent a lot of this past summer in my hot little studio in my garage that's been nearly unbearable. But one of the things that has helped make it a little bit more bearable has been my Ember Wave bracelet. So what is this thing? Well, it's this cute little bracelet that I wear on the inside of my arm. And all I have to do when I need relief the most is press to activate Ember Wave, which is also linked up to an app on my phone where I can completely customize and control the temperature that I'm looking for. And then a burst of heating or cooling comes through the bracelet onto my wrist. This sensation pairs with your body in mind to make you feel more comfortable in a matter of minutes. It runs in waves, which is really comforting. It provides comfort in unpredictable climates, relief from stress, and I really like the sleep cycle that helps you to be able to unwind at the end of a long day. Because if we back up for a minute, then we have to acknowledge that temperature is very personal. Everyone's idea of comfortable is unique. In most public places, heat or cool spaces aiming for temperature that is comfortable for only about 80% of the population, which I am generally not a part of, and it leaves us feeling thermally underserved. Can I get an amen? Not feeling thermally comfortable can contribute to lost productivity, increased stress levels, and it can be mentally exhausting. And I have all of those things to begin with. I don't need the temperature making them any worse, right? So although Emberwave is not a medical device for those with medical conditions related to temperature, Emberwave can help remedy bursts of temperature extremes or other uncomfortable sensations. Some places you can use Emberwave include your over-air-conditioned office, restaurants, airplanes, after a workout, malls, in the car, crowded public areas, your kids' basketball games, wherever it is that you need to regulate your temperature a little bit. I find that I especially need a little heating up when I'm in the freezer section at Costco. You know, whatever you particularly need, it's there for you. So head to emberwave.com and you can save $50 with the code lovely at checkout. Again, that's emberwave.com. Save $50 with the code lovely at checkout to start feeling more comfortable today. If there's anything, especially as a type nine that drives me nuts is the mommy wars. Like I really just want everyone to get off their high horse And recognize that everyone's called differently, they're gifted differently, and allow God to work in and through each person's life as he sees fit. There's, mm-hmm. There should be no reason for us stepping into other people's worlds or 
us allowing people to name us. Only God names us and we are his beloved. And each type can be amazing moms and we also can really mess it up in our own way. So if we reckon like uh, the reason why being a stay at home mom for me was really hard as a type nine, I thought my presence didn't matter. My voice didn't matter. I thought Mm -hmm. everyone was, you know, my kids were overlooking me. And so I felt this, this tension, but I had to work on that issue in my own heart. It wasn't my kid's fault. It was, it was the heart condition. And so again, we're all getting back to the aligned, misaligned, out of alignment. And so the Enneagram was really helping me in those years to go, oh, I'm really struggling and I, I, I will always struggle. That is just not an area that I am the most comfortable in, but then the areas that I'm really comfortable in, you might struggle, you know, and vice versa. Yeah. That doesn't make us bad or wrong. If God has called us to something, it may be hard, but he will walk us through it. And so what we're here to do is to encourage and spur one another on to love and good deeds, not bring condemnation, shame, guilt, um, the hammer. I mean, I don't even know why those exist. We are all on this side of heaven and we need each other's support. So you're listening to a nine with an eight wing who's getting fired up (laughs) though in her nine way, because I just really think women should respect one another for how God created them, not the way that they want to create another person in their own image. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely agree. And it's, it's hard. Well, this is another, okay this is like a personal counseling session for me. (laughs) Um, So I've been on both sides of it. Like I have been that person that was like, this is the way to do, I found the right way to do everything, everybody. (laughs) Like I want to share it with all of you and I want you to come along and do the same thing I'm doing. And it's taken years and refining and major changes in my own life to be able to step back and say like, okay, no, that's not the way this works. And I was just on a podcast last week where I was going like, I know all you moms that are like in your early 20s who've got it all figured out will hate me saying this right now because I would have hated me saying this. But it's like you really, you're just not going to, you're not going to get it yet. Like as much as you want to get it, like there's some things that only time and refining can do for you to help you see past some of that. And I think there's just a certain amount of arrogance in our 20s, especially in our young motherhood that tends to breed more of those mommy wars. And I've seen in my mid 30s, you know, my my oldest is 13. It is a different landscape now mm-hmm. with the women who I'm in community with because we've all been through stuff, you know, and there's just... That I think that the mommy wars do die down a lot as your kids get older, which is refreshing <laughs> to yeah. be there. And that's where the Enneagram can be really powerful, whether it is mommy wars or wife wars. Yeah, or yeah. Wars or because it, it goes across everything. Like we, we all have these things. And part of it is because we want to know, am I doing it right? And so if we yeah. if we're doing it right, it's like, oh, look, um, if we yeah. feel like we're doing it terrible, we want to hide. And yeah. that's just not how the gospel works, you know, we are all on this side of heaven needing Christ. And, and he knew that Romans five, yeah. eight says, while we were sinners, he came for us. You know, he, he wasn't waiting us for to clean ourselves up and to get to a certain place. And then he would save you. No, yeah. like, you needed it from the get go. Yeah. That's what's so beautiful about this. So if Christ saw that we were struggling and had sin and need, 
and he came for us, why wouldn't we do that for our sisters? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Each of us struggle in our own regard. And that's why the Enneagram can be so powerful because it gives you more compassion and understanding, empathy and and forgiveness. Because another, like maybe like you and I talking, um, and you've kind of mentioned this, like being more spacey. Like, I love that. As a nine, I love more like spacey dynamic people because the nines are more uh, emotionally monotone because we mm-hmm. like to keep everything at peace, but I enjoy obviously to a point, um, yeah. <laughs> passion and the zeal that I see in others. And so you and I could be complimenting each other a lot in the sense of you bring that spiciness and that, um, passion and that ability to go for it. And then I could bring the calm and the, and the sense of easygoingness, but at the yeah. same time it can irritate us at the same time. And that's okay. Understanding why someone else is the way they are, giving them space and grace and being for them in yeah. the gospel sense, like not saying, Oh, just be you do whatever. It's not that it's, I see you're struggling. How can I pray for you? Oh, I see you're doing amazing work that you're in your growth path. And I know that's really hard because for anyone growing, that's hard. Yeah. So I just want to cheer you on. So do you see how it, the Enneagram can be such an amazing tool for edification, for us to not put each other down or pull ourselves up. It's literally allowing us to see ourselves with astonishing clarity. So we don't have that fear, shame, and guilt, but we also can see that Christ has given us each unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom yeah. to move out our truest self. And so I know that's kind of hard, especially when we're in our younger years, we're trying to hang on this notion that if I just arrive, I'll be okay. Yeah. And the point is you'll never arrive the whole point is Christ arrived there for us. Yeah. And that's all you have to do is to surrender and depend on him and he will guide you in the path that you're supposed to walk in. Mm-hmm. And it, like you were saying, I think the Enneagram allows us to have more grace with ourselves in that yes. to be able to just accept ourselves in him. But it's also, I mean, the relational part of it, it, it allows me to have more grace with my friends or my family in the interactions I have with them because I can finally understand it more. Like once, especially living with my parents for the length of time that we did, I really feel like figuring out the Enneagram and being able to see what my parents were was a huge turning point in Mm -hmm. my ability to be back in their home. Mm-hmm. Because yep. we, we would come to blows on things, you know, the first time I'm back in their home as an adult with four children in tow, you know, mm-hmm. that was so hard. And, but being able to look at things finally and say like, okay, this is why my mom or my dad is reacting the way that they are to this certain circumstance, because this is their natural bent yep. helped me to be able to take that, that breath, that pause to then think of how I would respond. Not that I always did a great job, but it helped me to have more understanding with it instead of just being frustrated and annoyed beyond all (laughs) get out. It was like, okay, I'm still not happy about this situation, but I at least understand why you're doing what you're doing, which I think is so incredibly helpful. Yeah. And that's what we will talk about like in our book where we talk about giving clarifying statements and clarifying questions. Mm. And the biggest thing that we're trying to help people hone in on is that we're constantly committing a suicide. 
where we assume we know other people's thoughts, feelings, and motives, and we move forward with those assumptions and it can hurt or even destroy relationships. Yeah. And so now with the tool of the Enneagram understanding, Oh wait, you don't see the world the way I see it. And you don't do the things the way I do it. And I was assuming you did. And therefore I was really upset with you. Okay. So we see the world and do things differently. So when you're in a situation, like you were saying with your parents, you can pause and go, wait a second, that really hurts me because if they were my type, that is really offensive, but they're not. So let me ask a clarifying question. Like, where are they coming from? Like, how are they seeing it? What did they mean? Um, And then giving clarifying statements sometimes, like sometimes I know with my husband and I, I will have to say things up front. Like for instance, he's a type six. So the loyal guardian, if I were to say, you know what, we need to talk later. Like, (laughs) that's uncomfortable. But for a six who's worst case thinking, they're going to go to worst case thinking in a millisecond. Oh yeah. Now it could be that I was going to say, Hey, I got tickets to a great concert, you know, like we need to talk later so we can plan it out. Yeah. So for me to give a clarifying statement, Hey, I've got really good news that we need to talk about later. Well, one, he won't want to talk about later, (laughs) but at least I put his, his heart at ease. And so we need to learn how to give clarifying statements, let people know where our heart positions coming from. Because if we don't, they're going to assume based off of their personality, usually, um, unless they're well-versed in this. And so, but the clarifying questions too, is so that we don't commit a suicide and thinking, Mm -hmm ill of someone before we even really know it's true. And that's usually what happens. Then people get all upset. Like, how dare you think of me that way? It's not what I thought. Oh yes, it is. That's what you thought. Yeah. We can navigate around those so much better when we take the time to one, learn about other people's type, but also then ask them to represent themselves with where they're at. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Cause yeah, there were certain times, like, especially being back in my parents' house, and seeing what they were and how the communication would sometimes break down between them and be Mm. in the middle of it and just be like, oh my gosh, I just want to tell you, like, this is what you're actually thinking. This is what you're actually thinking because nobody's saying it and it's driving me crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, people from the outside can see the dynamics so much faster than when you're in the dynamics yourself. Yes, Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So now I want to ask a couple of nitty gritty questions out of that. So back to your test that you have on your website, Yeah, you have this um, where it tells you kind of like your main, you, you rank the types basically with a percentage that you are of all of them. And you have those top two. Now I know that when you found out your type, you, you can only have one of two wings, which are the numbers on either side of you that you mm-hmm. lean towards, but you do in your ranking on this test, you have this second percentage of like your, the type that you would second most likely be. Right. And I'm just wondering how that works into everything because the type, the second type that came up for me was the type I had originally mistyped myself as. And mm-hmm. so I do see those parts of me, but when it can't be like my wing or something, like how does that come into yes. play? Yeah. So which type was it that was your second? An eight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Okay. So I know that for the people who are listening to this podcast who are still like, what is the Enneagram? So first and foremost, the Enneagram is a personality tool that lets you know why that's the big thing, the why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways. And not only why you're doing it, but also we were talking about 
um, today, the heart condition, mm-hmm. um, whether we're doing well and we're struggling, you know, all that. Um, and in the Enneagram, you'll see the symbol. Um, if someone, you know, whether you'll have it on your um, show notes or they'll go to your Enneagram you'll see the symbol is a nine pointed star. And those nine points represent nine basic personality types, but just like a star, you know, you have those lines that connect to one another. Yeah. So does this nine pointed star in the lines matter. So, um, as a type nine, I have lines that are connected to six and three, and those will show when I am struggling and under stress, I will naturally gravitate towards one number. And when I'm growing, I naturally gravitate to the other. Now we use both the highs and the lows of the numbers we are connected to, and we can't get into all that. But for me as a nine, I am connected to six and three. So I will see a lot of six and three in my natural behaviors when I ebb and flow through life. Mm -hmm. So I could kind of, if I didn't understand the Enneagram and how it works, I could go, wait, now I'm confused. Like, am I a nine, a six or three? Cause I can see all of them in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I have, like you said, the wings and those are the two numbers adjacent to your personality, right next to your personality. So I'm a nine and the numbers directly next to my number are eight and one. Well, I use those numbers too. And so what we talk about, think of it as like salt and pepper seasoning a steak, the, mm-hmm. the salt, you don't become salt and pepper. Um, you're the steak, you utilize the aspects to enhance the personality. And sometimes if you overuse or over season, it's not for the best. Mm -hmm. So we can use all of these numbers that we're connected to in some form or fashion in the positive and the negative way. Now, kind of getting to your point. So the that's the basic 101, which of course we covered in like one minute. So for yeah. those that are still like, <laughs> like wait, what? what? <laughs> I have a course called Discovering You that breaks down how the Enneagram works. So all that I just talked about, I'll walk you through in a very easy, like spark notes, cliff notes version. So you get all the important content, but it's not like this lengthy, you know, yeah. course. It's real short. Um, to the point. So you're going to learn all that. So if you're still unsure, just go check that out. But for those that understand the Enneagram, which is kind of, I would say who we're talking to today, because we didn't do an overview. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But so there's another, there's lots of layers. Okay. One of the layers is called the tri-type and the tri-type, what it's going to explain. And again, this is, sorry for those that are trying to hang on by the thread of what we're talking about. But the tri-type explains that you have a main type in one of the three triads. There's a heart triad, which is the twos, threes, and fours. There's the head triad, which are fives, types five, six, and sevens. And the gut triad, which are the eights, nines, and ones. What it's trying to show you is that you have a main type in one of those triads. So for you, you're in the heart triad as a type three. Mm -hmm. That's your main triad. That's your main type. But what the tri-type also is showing you is that when you have used all of your strategies as a type three to run away from your core fears and get your core desire and all your three strategies aren't working anymore from the heart section, mm-hmm. then you have a sub main type in the head and the gut center. And it doesn't have to do with the lines. doesn't have to do with wings. This is its own separate understanding of the Enneagram, the tri-type. So that being said, the three and the seven, in a sense, have no connection. It's not a wing. There are no lines. But if we're looking at it from the centers of intelligence where the tri-types or the triads are, type eight could be in your tri-type. 
So okay. you could be a three, eight, and then one of the other numbers in the head triad would be the third number in your tri-type. Um, and so again, that's a whole nother layer. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Favre, if you go to YouTube and look her up, she's the main researcher and Enneagram teacher on the tri-type. She has a one hour free um, video on the tri-types that I've always recommended people to look at to understand this deeper layer concept. But that being said, because there are threes out there that are less zesty because yeah. maybe they have nine in their tri-type and nine is connected to them in a line. So you might be with a several threes and you're like, why am I even more zesty than the other threes? Mm -hmm. um, it could be because three or eight is in your tri-type. And so to me, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, yeah, totally makes sense. You know, yeah. but most people, we don't get to this deeper layer yeah. because already just some of the like the top layers blow people's minds. Yeah. <laughs> so like trying to like, just like helping everyone just to understand the basics of the structure yeah. of the Enneagram. But yeah. if you asked, there is a deeper dive for all of those that are like, oh my gosh, what is this? Beth's never yeah. talked about this before. Um, go to YouTube and look at Catherine Fopper's work on TriType. Awesome. And we can put that in the show notes too. All right, you guys, we're in it. We are in it. Tomorrow is our first day back to school. And you know what I did last week while I was sitting at my daughter's ballet camp, waiting, doing nothing, just having my phone on me? Did I just surf Instagram? No, I actually went onto the Plan to Eat app and planned all of our meals through October, you guys. I felt like such an amazing mom in that moment of knowing that just sitting there at ballet camp, I was able to do all of that on my phone. I'd actually never tried to use the Plan to Eat app in that way. I thought, oh, it's gonna be too difficult to find the meals and everything. It wasn't. It was so simple for me to just be able to plug everything in there, create my shopping list, know exactly what we're going to eat. I'm telling you what, ladies, you have got to get signed up for Plan to Eat. It's going to change the game for you. I have so much stress off of my shoulders knowing that heading into tomorrow, I don't have to figure out our meals for back to school or anything else with all the other crazy that is happening in our life over the next couple of months because it just is crazy. But Plan to Eat gives you all the tools. You just drag and drop your meals right onto your plan. It creates your shopping list. And because of that handy little app, not only can you plan on the go if you want to, or you can use the desktop version, but you're never going to leave home without your shopping list again. It's always going to be right there with you. You're never going to be able to forget what you're having for dinner because it's on your phone and we always have our phones with us. Plan to Eat was created by a real family with real needs who knew you might not want to sign up for one of these pre-designed meal planning systems. You probably want to use the stuff that you already know and love. So they allowed you to really easily upload the recipes that your family already likes and then being able to make a really solid plan really easily. There is subscription membership where you pay $4.99 a month or $39 a year. But if you use my handy little URL, going to plantoeat.com slash lovely, you can get 60 days free. Just go to plantoeat.com slash lovely, get your 60 day free trial, see how it revolutionizes your life. I speak about this as a legitimate user for the past five years. It's going to change the game. Ladies, go get signed up. You're not going to regret it. And I know I totally yeah, have awesome. gone, you know, like you said, like we're, we're diving in here to parts of the Enneagram that people don't 
get to all the time, but I talk about it a lot. You guys have heard about it a lot. So this is that resource you can come back to to now like be able to dive even deeper if you want to, because I just think it's so interesting. And like you said, those, those top layers in and of themselves, like they, they blow you away with just how revealing and, um, and helpful they can be. But that just hearing you talk about the tri-types, I mean, I've listened to different books and whatnot about it and heard about the tri-types, but never thought about it in that way. And Mm -hmm. I had always felt like, well, there, there is that like eightness in me, you know, just Mm -hmm. recently we had a, and I don't know, you can tell me, maybe I'm wrong, but we had a recital. My daughters had their ballet recital and I was one of the people put in charge of the littlest children. (laughs) which I was like, why, why, why? I am, I am not the person to be put in charge of the three and four year olds, but I was, and we had the rehearsal and it was abysmal. Like it went so badly. Nobody was taking charge in the room. It was just like poor communication. And I knew that in order for the show to go off, I was going to go in there and take charge of the room. Like we're going to do things way I'm going to say we're going to do them and we're going to make it go off without a hitch. Everybody just listen to me and it will be fine. And it was. <laughs> and yeah. so I felt like that was like my eight coming out. Like I'm going to yeah. just take charge of this and make it happen. Exactly. And um, so like when you say that, I'm like, yeah, it totally makes sense because the three doesn't want to be seen as a failure or exposed, you know, yeah. and embarrassed. And so that's rising up in you. But at the same time, you, the eight, part of you and that tri-type is like, well, we have to, uh, you know, rise above. And like what you were doing is kind of like the healthy eight is like, I need to plow a path. I need to take charge, you know, in a way that helps everyone to get from point A to point B in the best way possible. And so then you've got parts of your three, the efficiency, planning, strategy, and then the eight who can take charge Mm -hmm. and to do it in kind of like a seamless, quick, brief manner. And so you've got these two types that are in some ways very similar. Now there's great differences in threes and eights too, but a lot of people do wonder, um, like they can see similarities in them. Um, and we won't necessarily get into that, but I can see how those two types are really merging together to help you to get over this great hurdle, which is like hurting cats, right? Yes. You have the, you have the personality to be able to get the job done with efficiency. And I'm assuming it probably did go well. Is that right? It did. It was the actual show was like night and day from the rehearsal. And yeah. And it was because I, here's my three coming out. It was because of me. (laughs) I just, I, I really, I knew that that was the only way it was going to get done. And so But this is where, like, even like, we kind of laughed at, because threes can self-promote, and there's a whole reason for that, about them wanting to be seen and loved, really for simply being themselves, but they think they have to earn it through doing, right? Mm -hmm. So if they do something, but no one sees it, then how does anyone know to love them? So they have to tell people about it. But what I'm hearing from you in that incident is, and this is why I want people to use the Enneagram, because we want you to see the good that comes about from your personality, how God designed you, because he's the one working in it through you. So in that very moment, God utilized your giftings, your skill sets, the way you think, the way you operate to make something really beautiful happen. And that's where we can reflect it back on Christ and say, Mm. man, without you, that couldn't have happened. And you, you worked in and through me to make that flourish. And so it's, it's this sense of gratitude, this blessing, this living in our fullest place. Like we should be able to, it's not a self-focus, like, look at me. It's more, 
wow, look what God did in and through me and I can enjoy it. Um, And I think so often in the Christian culture, we have to somehow put ourselves down in order to look godly. And it's like, why not glorify God by not pointing out ourselves into self-promotion, but pointing out what he's doing Mm -hmm. and enjoying that. So that's part of the Enneagram too, because he's the creator, the designer of who we are and we want to relish and glorify him in it. I love that, especially as a three, that's, it's like good for me to, to hear like, oh yeah, it's about the gratitude and pointing it back to him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this is like totally different question. Um, and I know we're, we got to get to wrapping up here, but, um, one of the things that I think if we're going kind of back to basics helped me figure out what my type was, was listening to the songs on sleeping at last. Have you, obviously I'm sure you've heard of them. Like what, what is your take on those songs and using them as a tool to help us kind of figure out what we oh, are? Yeah. I mean, they're absolutely phenomenal. He did such a great job on each of them. I mean, really, and I'm not yeah. just saying, well, when he first started coming out, I think it was like after, maybe after the second one, I was like, he's got to be a nine. And I don't, I didn't know Ryan at all. I was like, he's got to be a nine. And the reason is, is, and he is, the reason is, is nines have this ability to get in everyone's shoes or to mm-hmm. see it from, yeah. see life through their eyes they have the hardest time seeing it through their, their own. And if you listen to the type nine song, which he just released and listen to his podcast, the type nine song was the hardest one because remember yeah. I talked about the nines like myself having a fog. Yeah. But what was so cool is how God allowed him to gain even deeper clarity and understanding of himself through writing his own song type oh, nine. Yeah. And but all that to be said is he did a masterful job in studying, researching, working with Chris Hewitts, who wrote uh, the Sacred Enneagram, yeah. um, and to put these things together. And there's not an easy feat to capture in a song, but he absolutely did it. And so when you listen to those podcast episodes where he deep dives about yes. them, it's like mind boggling, the amount yes. of research and aspects of different things. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And that's why, you know, seeing the superpowers of every type, because we all have superpowers and then enjoying them is so amazing because, you know, like us nines, we think, what do I have to say? Or how do I contribute? I mean, and I know he was thinking because he's a nine. That's probably what he's thinking. But he, he took the, the knowledge that he has something to offer the world by seeing all perspectives. And he was able to give the world a gift that most people can't do. Um, Because you can read a lot about things, but it doesn't mean you're going to understand them. And he knew that he, I mean, whether he knew it or he just did it, he was able to literally encapsulate that type in his songs um, through his voice and through the lyrics. And so I absolutely agree that yes, you can probably find your type and if not your, especially your wing in the songs, meaning um, as a type nine with an eight wing, it's its own paradox. And for those that aren't familiar with the Enneagram, you've got the peaceful mediator and then the challenger yeah, <laughs> wrapped up in one in, inside me. And so when I listened to eight, because eight came out first, I wept and I, mm-hmm. it, it was such a powerful song, but I felt like it captured more of me than I thought it would. Mm. And it made me realize how much of the eight really resides in me very strongly. Um, and then when nine came out, I wept again <laughs> and I yeah. didn't leave with the others. Like I had tears, yeah. but I didn't, 
I, I mean, I literally I did with the three too. As soon as I, cause a friend of mine kind of helped me narrow it down to a couple of types. And so I listened to those. Yeah, okay. And then when I listened to the three, it was like immediately, and I'm not yeah. a crier and I just lost it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I was like, what's happening? Like, you know, yeah. and so absolutely. I feel like, um, that it represents who us in a song, um, mm-hmm. in a lyrical form. So absolutely. Another person that you might be really interested in, she's actually had, well, as of we speak, she has a Kickstarter right now. Um, Kira Hinton, and she okay. did the video for type four with Ryan's type four song. Oh, okay. Um, but Kira K Y R a Hinton, um, studios. She has then since then, and if you watch the, go to YouTube and type in sleeping at last, type four song video, you'll see her do her art. And what she has done is she has painted the internal landscapes of each type. So, you know, when you see aerial, like satellite views of the Mm -hmm. world, that's what she's done for each of the types. And she starts with the left-hand side being our more unhealthy part, moving to the right-hand side of what growth looks like as an internal landscape. And it's just remarkable. And so Ryan kind of kickstarted that, you know, creativity yeah. in her. And so then she has utilized that. And so now she's created, um, all nine types, but then actually wow. has then done all the wings too. And it's phenomenal. So, Oh, I've got to go find those. Yeah. 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 And it's so inspiring. Cause like when she showed me, we, we had talked about several of the types and I was telling her more about type nine and how she has to have this kind of fog or cloud-like part of it. Mm-hmm. And she did. And in type nine, when I saw it, totally resonated, resonated with me. But same with what Ryan's song on eight did. She showed me her type nine with an eight wing, how she merged the two together um, in an overlay. And I literally almost leaped out of my chair. I was like, that so captures my wow. internal world. And it it was so beautiful. So it's the same as Ryan's songs where you're learning about your type from a different mode than just someone yeah. talking or reading about it. And I think that really will help bring out in you this new spark of, oh my gosh, that's me. And that's yeah. really great. And, and this is the thing. You're, when you find your type, you're probably, and kind of like, I think you had mentioned, you're going to be very uncomfortable. You yeah. probably like it. You're probably going to- Don't show run. anyone that song. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> why are you, why are you exposing me? Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. God created you with your specific type because he wants you to live that out and bless others as you get to know him and work through him. But it also will deeply satisfy you because you will be more connected with him when you see- yeah the whole scope of it, the good, the not so good and the bad, but knowing that he is bringing you towards him, like the work will be completed at the end of the, you know, like Mm -hmm. when all is said and done, everything will be fine. Everything will be complete in him and glorified in him. And so if we just recognize we're in this process to surrender and depend on him walking by faith, he will then allow us to mature and to grow. Of course, we're in an ebb and flow. The work will never be done until we're with him, but we can know that it's okay. We are safe and secure in him. I love that. Yeah. And I, it's kind of a sign when you are listening to it and, or looking at the types and you're like, well, that one I'm most uncomfortable with, that probably is a good indicator of what you are. And I did have this, this sense of like not wanting anyone to hear the song, but then I did 
show it to my parents. And that was so interesting to see their eyes light up and be like, oh my goodness, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's you. And even my dad, who can be kind of skeptical about like personality tests or whatever, I was like, just listen to this song. And he was like, holy cow, like, how Mm -hmm. is that even possible that that you? And then I showed him my mom's song and he was like, whoa, like it was just so enlightening for us to be able to see each other differently. Right. And that's where, you know, we go, we'll go all the way back to what I said earlier is that the Enneagram is like a flashlight. It's illuminating our internal world, why we think, feel, and behave in particular ways. But again, it is just a tool and it's a powerful tool. And so we want to use it as, or not as a sword or a shield. We don't want to hurt people with it. We don't want to mock them, belittle them, make fun of them, put them in their place. But we also don't want to use it as a shield. Like, well, that's just who I am. Good luck. I'm just going to be me. Like, no, God calls us to grow and to move and to be like him. And so we need to own our shortcomings and allow him to transform us. So don't use it as a shield either. But the biggest thing to take away from all of this is the Enneagram is just a tool. Like we were talking about a hammer. Like if you just have a hammer sitting there, it's not going to do anything. It just is. But the gospel is our transformation. And that's why we always keep pointing back to that because ultimately what we want is transformation. Mm -hmm. We want to um, be free. We want to know we're unconditionally loved. We want to know um, that we can trust in something, which is Christ. And once we're able to fully get there, everything is going to be dramatically different. So then use the Enneagram as the tool it is to help us to know, is your heart aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the gospel? But no matter where your heart is in that process, you're safe and secure in your relationship with Christ because he will complete the good work in you. Yes. Oh, that's what it all comes down to. And I've, I've let this episode go on so long, but I don't want to finish it without mentioning all these like insane number of books that you are releasing. (laughs) They're going to be huge tools. And so would you just tell us really quickly about what books you have coming out and uh, specifically, I mean, the parenting one, but also for the nine types, like what can we expect from those books? What will they do for us? Yeah. Um, Well, it's marriage even though a parenting book at some point would be. Oh awesome. uh, yeah. Sorry. I was yeah. looking, no. somebody asked for, a, they wanted me to ask you, will you come up with a parenting book? Yeah. Oh, I would love to. And there's so much to say with parenting, especially using the Enneagram since my kids were three or four. Yeah. Um, but that is for another day. Yes. No, I meant but, to say marriage. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I knew. Um, I knew what you meant. Um, but yeah, so October 1st, our Becoming Us book comes out and it's using the Enneagram from a gospel centered perspective so that marriages can thrive. Mm -hmm. Um, And now here's the thing. If someone's not married, but maybe you're just in a relationship or maybe you just want to know how relationships function as a whole, this is the book for you. So yes, it's primarily focused on marriage, but it's mainly going to cover communication, conflict, family of origin, like how your personality saw the world Mm -hmm. um, as a child, Um, but then becoming your best self together. So, And then the back of the book is a roadmap for all nine types. So there's six pages for each type and they're really beautifully laid out and it's colorful. It's great. Um, The first four pages is understanding me. The last two pages on each type is understanding them. So obviously my husband could read all six pages about type nine and get a lot of information, but we wanted two pages specifically worded in a way that would help the spouse to really understand 
their spouse's type. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but like, let's say you have a best friend and you just want to know relationship styles. The book is still going to work in any relationship capacity, but we've just kind of narrowed it into marriage. So I do recommend it for anyone out there, whatever relationship you're in, um, this would be great for you, but it is um, definitely focused on marriage and uh, this later this summer, we're going to roll out 45 courses, one for each couple type. So if you're a married couple and you're both nines or a three and a five or a two and a seven, whatever combination you guys are, we have a marriage course for you. And those and, will probably be coming out actually around the time that this podcast yeah. releases. So yeah. hopefully we can have some information in the show notes so people can find exactly. those. Yeah. yeah. Cause that is super deep and powerful. Like yeah. we are taking you to a whole nother level with those courses. This should be like, like the foundational point for any relationship moving forward, because wow. you will get to understand each other at a, at a level that you never thought possible. And we give That's you the awesome. tools and the insights and the resources. So those two, the book and the course, and they're different. Okay. So it's not like okay. you're, you're piggybacking on the same thing. It takes you further than what the All book right. does. So mm-hmm. both are going to be great resources. Um, so those are the becoming us um, kind of what we're doing there. Then in December, we're working with Thomas Nelson for nine gift books. Yeah. Nine. That's so crazy. <laughs> so one for each type. And this is more of me taking each type through an understanding of their type, a deeper dive. And this is literally from beginner to intermediate. And okay. even those that have kind of done their own studying of the Enneagram, I think they're going to find a lot of big nuggets in there that they haven't heard before or learned about. So um, if you have been reading all things, I really do recommend you getting your own type and it's in a journal format. So we're going to, it's 21 days where I'm going to take you into a deep dive on your type, but it also has questions for you to really go there because you can read about your type, but unless you take the time to self-reflect and to think about it, you're probably not going to make much progress. So this is designed to really help you transform and grow from a gospel centered approach. And so it's coming out December 10th, which means buy them for your friends. Yeah. Perfect timing. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be super transformative for any type because it's their type. Well, I just got my Christmas shopping done. <laughs> yeah. And you can pre-order them now even oh, awesome. on, yeah, on Amazon or any of your favorite bookstore. Um, they are ready to, I mean, they're not ready, but yeah. they are ready to purchase. Yeah. Um, and I, we're just loving working on them because here's the cool thing about those type, those nine is you can use them even in small groups or clubs because they all have the same days and the same common content across the board. But then each day we also go through specific type content on Mm -hmm. their type. So basically you and your friends, like you and your type two friends would be reading the same days overall topic but then it would go into a deep dive on your topic, on your type. Mm-hmm. And so then you guys could reflect in the same way. Yeah. You know, when we learned about um, the wings, what was your wing and what did you learn? And so it makes it really nice to work as a group or as friends or spouses, even in a deep I dive. Love that. Your type. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. I can tell already 
that's they I'm not going to say anymore because they're probably listening, but I have plans for my friends. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Who's going to get a gift? <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. I have gone so long on this interview, but I want to make sure we just wrap it up with these last couple of questions so you can give quick yeah. answers. But okay. what does a typical day look like for you? Oh, goodness. Okay. So a typical day is I love getting up and having nice warm cup of coffee that I make. Um, I have this like espresso machine that I just absolutely love it. Um, And then just kind of first and foremost, just really thinking through my day and praying and, and conceptualizing what is going to take place um, moving forward. But then just really, honestly, I just have a lot of work always going on. So I love diving in and creating as much content or whatever that means from beginning to end and making sure that everything is super easy to understand for anyone out there that's learning it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just love it. Now, some days I'm actually coaching people, but right now this stage of the game, I'm creating more content Yeah, and it's my happy place because I can be create creative. Actually, my top strength finder is a developer oh, and, okay. and harmony and empathize. So I love to basically just do what I do where I'm empathizing with all nine types and delivering and developing them content. So that's kind of that's really so what my day looks interesting like. Interesting to hear yeah. what your strengths are with your type because right. I've, this is another discussion I've been having with friends lately and specifically with one of my two friends and hers are that same kind of thing like empathy and, and whatnot. And it makes so much sense. And then I'm like strategic and competitive. And like right. all of yes. those things. Yeah. Yes. And we can, that's where we can just praise God. Like, okay, this is my lane. This is now yeah. there's times we have to stretch and grow in the yeah. areas we're not, but at the same time we can go, that's so cool. Like yeah. I can see how God has designed me. And how interesting how they really do seem to line up with what your type is. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's yeah. So, um, and then, um, I mean, like we're going to be traveling a lot, doing um, live events, nice. the coming us events. Um, but if we're not traveling, then really what my day here looks like is um, my son doesn't live in, at home anymore. He's um, off in college and doing different things. But my daughter still lives here. So usually that means Jeff and I and Libby are eating dinner together. And then we spend the evenings either still working, but see the things are working because we're all working together. Yeah. So it's like, talking, conceptualizing, or I might be working on my computer while we're watching like some sort of movie. So we're kind of a low key family. Yeah. We're not like going a hundred miles an hour all the time. Um, at the same time, we're working a ton because we absolutely love what we're doing and bringing all this stuff to everyone. So yeah, so that's kind of what our typical day looks like. Sounds good. So how are you currently cultivating loveliness in your life? Well, that is a good question. I have been so busy this last year with all the things we've talked about that yeah. I'm now finally at a season, even though we're still really busy, that I can actually breathe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I've really actually been trying to be more strategic in like self-care and mindfulness and creating, not only creating more margin, but keeping that margin. Um, and I know everyone is like, yes, I know. Amen. Um, and that's just hard to do. And yeah. So for me, it is um, a lot of times waking up early and having that extra time in the morning just to mm-hmm. breathe and think and not allow the day to sweep me up into whatever direction. Because this is a nine, we will get swept into all the directions. Yeah. Just being more mindful of what does God have in store for me today? So just 
um, that margin and the thought process is kind of new just because this last year, it's literally been like how fast and let's say, well, can I get yeah. everything done? Yeah. Because there were so many deadlines that just, there was no time of thinking, well, let me create margin. Like there, yeah. <laughs> there was no margin. Yeah. And so I think it's such a good thing to put that margin in your life, especially when you can. Yeah, no, I agree. And one, one of the ways I've been cultivating loveliness, or at least I did last weekend, <laughs> it was a weekend without my kids, but even like at the end of the week, I got this book that I had just heard about. It was a brand new release and it was very just like, cute, fun fiction story. It was nothing deep that my brain had to like work hard on reading because I do so much reading for the podcast and, right. and all that kind of thing. It's always nonfiction and it's like, you got to like process these ideas and everything. And so in like 24 hours, I read this just like cute, fun book and it was super enjoyable and it had a little love story in it. And I just walked away feeling like, ah, okay. Yes. <laughs> like, that just, yes. Like, made my heart happy. And I then could spend the rest of my weekend working really hard on all the things that I needed to work hard on. And so, yeah, I would say my, my favorite space like that, though, that is really fun is, um, just having like either a fire outside, unless it's really hot and then that's not very much fun. Yeah. (laughs) Having like a fire pit or just being outside in the cool of the night and just allowing nature to decompress, you know, the world. Um, so but I can see how a, a good, easy book that doesn't take a lot of like your thought process would be so great at that as well. Yeah. It just like gave me a mental break to just be able to like enjoy it. And yeah, yeah it was really nice. That's awesome. Okay. Are you ready for my stock questions? Yes. Okay. Candles or essential oil diffuser? I would say the diffuser. Okay. Cloth napkins or paper? Paper. City or country? Country. Paper or digital? Digital. All right. Shopping, would you rather do it online or in the store? Oh, online for sure. (laughs) Okay. It's four o'clock or whatever time you make dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? Oh, that's a good one. Huh. Probably music. Okay. And what would be some of your favorite music to listen to? Yeah. Um, Sleeping at last all day, every day. Seriously. (laughs) Any of his stuff. So not just the Enneagram songs. Um, Any of those. Um, There's another guy, uh, Jordan Christ, who has a lot of similar instrumental music that I love. Um, But if it is not instrumental, so to speak, um, I would say Nora Jones, Mm. Amos Lee, Jack Johnson, Ray LaMontagne, anything in that kind of category is probably some of my most favorites. Or U2 Coldplay. So that, that kind of rounds out my main music hubs. All right. That sounds amazing. Um, chocolate, milk or dark? Milk. All right. Sports or no sports? Oh, absolutely sports. Okay. Live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? Uh, probably broadcast. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, it's a tough one. I know. It is a tough one. Um, well, this one keeps coming into mind. I don't know if it is my most favorite, but I would say it's super powerful one is the Shawshank Redemption. Oh yeah. That's a good one. I don't know if anybody said that one, but, but it is so good. Yeah. It is good. good. Yeah. 
Okay. And lastly, if you were to put yourself on the crunchy spectrum where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair, <laughs> where are you on the spectrum? Um, I would probably say five. Okay. That's yeah. a very respectable answer. <laughs> it's, it's probably, I mean, cause there would be some nines that are like, definitely like because nines are comfort junkies and yeah. love to just chill and kumbaya and all that kind of stuff. But I also, since we talked about the tri-type today, my tri-type is nine, three, six. So I, that means three and six are doubled down in me because the lines also connect, which yeah. is teaching, but all that to be said, the three wants to not be exposed and wants to have an image. And then the six cares about all things appropriateness. So <laughs> That's why I would have to move to the five category because those those would hem me in of being too overly, like at least some self care. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's such a great. I'm so fun to get that explanation about the enneagram, even on the crunchiness question. That's so yeah, fun. yeah. Oh well, thank you so much, Beth. This is yeah. like a crazy long episode. I'm so sorry to keep you for so. long. No, I loved it. I'm it's just uh, so hopefully. Interesting. Yeah, I think you're, I think the, everyone's going to love it. And yeah. it just, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, for everyone out there just to recognize that God created you to be you and yeah. you're going to ebb and flow and struggle, but he's taking care of it all. So just keep coming back to him and rest in the fact that you're his beloved child right where you're at and yeah. that he is the one that completes you. So good. Such a good note to go out on. Thank you so much for coming today. For anybody who's looking for Beth, we'll have all that stuff in the show notes and all the things that she mentioned so you can get even more information about the Enneagram. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Oh, it's so good, right? Did you just love that episode and hearing all the like deep dive stuff about the Enneagram with Beth? I just want to go back and keep listening to it and taking notes for myself to like really digest everything that she said. And I can't wait to get my hands on her new books because you better believe I am going to be tearing through them even though I am not married. I plan on using her books and just like my relationships with friends and family, I think that they are game changers. So you can find all the details about this episode at boldturquoise.com slash 131. And of course, you can find Beth at yourenneagramcoach.com. Thank you to all of you who are leaving those ratings and reviews in iTunes. We so appreciate it. If you haven't done so yet, just run over to your podcasting app on your phone or iTunes on your computer. Leave a quick rating and review, preferably five stars and something nice that you have to say about us. And it really helps the podcast to be able to get in front of other eyes and ears so that they get to listen and be a part of our community as well. So thank you to all of you who have done that and who are about to. All right, ladies, that's it for this week's episode. I've so enjoyed having you here with me this week talking about the Enneagram. If you have any questions, please be sure to let me know. Get a hold of me on Instagram. It's where I love to connect with you guys at Mackenzie Coppa. And until next week, or if you're watching the morning show, then tomorrow. So until then, go be bold and gracious. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.